We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willette. Welcome to the Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. That's good. Amen. All the time. God is good. Amen. He's so good. I love the harvest is ripe. Amen. There's people like they don't know it, um, but Jesus is their answer. And everyone is calling out and crying out for Jesus. He is the best friend that we always wanted. He's the, the dad that we always looked for, the mom that we always looked for. He's that friend that sticks closer than a brother. And he's our source and our life and he's everything. And he paid it all for us. And it's just such a good deal that we get when we come into his presence and his goodness. Amen. Amen. So uh, this message is going to be uh, part two of the message that uh, we preached. Gosh, it was probably like a couple months ago now um, about getting your spirit in the driver's seat. Raise your hand if you remember that message, getting your spirit in the driver's seat. All right. So how he's got his brain. Look at that. That is awesome. (laughs) So so for those of you that weren't here, and and I do um, recommend that you go and listen to the podcast if you've not not heard the message. It's going to be really foundational for stuff that we're going to be talking about from here on. So go back and catch it on the podcast. I think it's also up on YouTube or whatever, but um, it's, uh, I think it's called Who's in the Driver's Seat is what it's called. So what we did is we had a chair sitting up here. We're just going to review a little bit. We had a chair sitting up here and the chair is the driver's seat of your life. Okay, and now you have many different parts to yourself. One of those parts is your mind. Okay, and then you have your will and you have your emotions. Do you guys remember? We, ha- we actually had a person come up and stand and be our mind. We had a person come up and stand and be our will. And we had a person come up and stand and be our emotions. Okay, and then we also had a person come over here and they were our spirit. And our spirit has this funnel so that when our spirit is properly aligned in the driver's seat, then there's this funnel because there is an open heaven over you. If you are in Christ, if you have given your life to Jesus, there is an open heaven over you. And when your spirit is in the driver's seat, then you are properly aligned with heaven so that you are receiving source and life from Jesus. It's funneling through your spirit and then giving information to your mind, your will, and your emotions so that they can respond accordingly, okay? Now, what happens is that oftentimes we disengage completely from our spirit. Um, even, Even in Christian circles, it's like we're not even aware that there's a spirit realm, and we're trying to relate to God and to each other by putting our mind in the driver's seat, by putting our will in the driver's seat, or by putting our emotions in the driver's seat. And though all three, not one of them is bad, God gave you each one of them, but none of them are equipped to drive your life, okay? None of them have a funnel that can receive directly from heaven. That's your spirit's job. Does that make sense? So this, this chair is a question of what source are you pulling from. Okay. So I'm going to do something a little bit dangerous. Um, Raise your hand and tell me something that maybe you got out of that message or something that you remember from the message that uh, you feel like, like that hit you. What's something that you remember from it or something like, what is something that hits you like, oh, I do that or anybody. All right. 
that sometimes the heart, the emotions are in disarray because of what the mind is believing. Absolutely. Your emotions will always tell you the truth, not the truth about reality, but the truth of what you're believing. So if your emotions are in disarray, then you got to go check in with your mind and say, what lie am I believing that's causing me to have these emotions? Or if they're appropriate emotions and just processing that with the Lord. Uh, let's see. There's a lot of things I got out of that message, but <laughs> um, I think a lot of times I would um, assume that maybe um, like my spirit's in the driver's seat, but it was actually my mind. And it just kind of helped me to, to realize, help me discern which is which sometimes. Oh, anybody else? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love the fact that you pointed out that our, we don't deny our emotions. They're important to listen to, our heart, all of that, but that we don't get our beliefs from it. Absolutely. The, the, our job is not to shut down our emotions and say, shut up and be quiet, but we don't get our source from there. Does that make sense? So when our emotions are in disarray, we want to pay attention, but we want to process them in the spirit with the Lord. Does this make sense? Um, same thing with our mind. Our mind has great information, but that's not the source of information. That's not where we want to draw from because it doesn't have life. Anybody else want to share anything? Awesome. Okay. So Jesus, we just thank you so much, Lord, for who you are. God, Lord, I just invite your presence to just invade just the entirety of this message, the sanctuary, every person, every heart, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would all just be tuned into you in the spirit. I bless all of our spirits right now to rise up and be led by Holy Spirit. I bless all of our spirits to be at attention over and above our mind, our will, and our emotions, Jesus. And I just thank you, Lord. I ask for your anointing anointing to be upon us all, Lord, as, as I preach, as we listen, and as we just commune with you this morning, and we just give you all the glory in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So we talked about some of the dysfunctions that happen when we get part of our soul into that driver's seat, and what happens is that we end up living our life from the soulish realm, which is not a victorious realm, okay? We want to pull source from the heavenlies, which can only be funneled through our spirits. That makes sense? So we talked about those dysfunctions, but now let's talk about the good stuff. Let's talk about what it's like when we are properly aligned, when our spirit is in the driver's seat, open heaven is over us, and God is our source in giving information to our mind, our will, and our emotions, okay? Most Christians tend to have the cart before the horse. They think, I can't walk in the Spirit until I stop doing XYZ, or until I start doing XYZ, or until I clean up my act, Okay, a lot of times that's the belief that we're fed. Um, that's something that we tend to think. It's just like, oh, I'm not good enough to walk in the spirit. Sister so-and-so is way more spiritual than me, and I can't access the spirit the same way as this person does. Does that make sense? And it tends to be something related that we think that there's something uh, behaviorally that we need to do or stop doing or clean up our act. Now, walking in the spirit is not defined by walking in good character. Good character is the fruit of walking in the Spirit, okay? Repeat after me. Good character is fruit 
of walking in the Spirit. Okay, so we minister death to people when we give them rules for living without the supernatural means to attain to it. Okay, we minister death to people when we give them rules and regulations for how they're supposed to live their life, but we withhold the supernatural ability to get there. Does that make sense? You can only move in the fruit of the Spirit as you are walking in the Spirit, as your spirit is in that driver's seat. Does that make sense? Uh, Where does self-control come from? It's a fruit of the Spirit, okay? Walking in the Spirit is the only way that your character is going to be transformed. But what many of us do is that we put our will into that seat. We become our own source and we say, okay, I am going to try really hard to look really good. I'm going to try so hard to stop doing that thing or whatever. And we are not accessing the supernatural grace of heaven, the empowerment that comes through grace to our lives. Does that make sense? And we've cut ourselves off from the very source that brings the transformation that we want. Amen? All right, so let me tell you, you are a new creation. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. You have been born of the Spirit. The supernatural is not something that happens to you. It is something that you are. The supernatural is not something that happens to you, that you engage in once in a while. The supernatural is who you are. You are citizens of heaven. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. You have been given access to everything, the the, the throne. You sit at the right hand with Jesus, with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. That is where your spirit is right now. Your spirit right now is in the open heavens with Christ Jesus, co-heirs with Christ What Jesus did for you is so much better than you think, so much better than I think. We've been given authority from heaven over all the power of the enemy. I'm telling you, when we enter in the spirit and we're engaged in the spirit, we cannot lose. Amen? Do you understand what you've been given? So everyone, just just take a minute right now and just close your eyes because the truth is that your spirit is seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus right now. So close your eyes and just imagine, what is your spirit seeing right now? What is your spirit encountering? What is your spirit feeling? Your spirit knows so much more than you realize. Your spirit is one with Holy Spirit. What is that perspective like? What is heaven like? Is there any fear in heaven? Is there any sickness in heaven? Is there any sadness or depression in heaven? Does anything look impossible from that heavenly perspective? What does your spirit know right now as it's seated with Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is continually interceding on your behalf? What is Jesus praying over you? Because your spirit knows. Your spirit knows. Your spirit needs to lead your life. There is so much power that we have access to. Holy Spirit, the resurrection power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. You are one belief away from being a radical, infectious glory dispenser. 
I'm going to say it again. You are one belief away from being a radical, infectious glory dispenser. We have 24-7 access to the spirit realm and the heavenlies. In fact, the Bible says that we are seated there. Seated, seated there continually. We don't come and go. Amen? Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> we need to check in with our spirit as much or at least, at least as much or more than our brain, our emotions, our will, and our body. Amen? Your spirit just rose up. <laughs> Does anyone feel their spirit rise up? Okay. So I want to, I want to tell you a story. Um, we were in India a couple years ago and uh, we were ministering at this little uh, tent, like tent city basically, and just absolute extreme poverty, like literally living in the dirt. And like when the floods come, like they're, they're living in mud, like their children and everything and uh, just absolute, absolute poverty. And so they, they gathered like all the people of the village on these little tarps on the ground. And then we start singing to the Lord. And it was funny. It was right after the Muslim call for prayer. And then there's like radical Hindus, like not too far away. And they're like blasting music and they're angry and stuff that we're there. And, um, and we start singing and we start singing um, how great is our God in, in this place. And um, it was just powerful to, to worship Jesus in that place, especially right after that call to prayer, you know. So we're singing how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And then as this, as this happens, there's people singing along, and this woman starts shouting, ah, it's an Indian, you know, she's shouting, and she's clapping her hands, and she's like really just like, just like shouting and, and, and going at it, okay? Now, on paper, it looks like she is engaged in the spirit, but something in my spirit is like, mm, that's not Holy Spirit that's going on right now, okay? My spirit knew more than my brain did. I even asked a question um, to one of the, the people that was there, and I was like, hey, what, what's she doing? Oh, she's, in, she's interceding right now. It's just, she's just so awesome. She just, you know, loves the Lord, and I'm like, something's not sitting right in my spirit, okay? Your spirit knows more than your brain does, than your emotions do, than, than your body, any, any of it, okay? Um, and then your will, your plan, what you think needs to happen. And so I'm praying, and I just really feel on my heart, I'm like, I think that we need to do an altar call for people that are demonically oppressed. And my brain is going, oh my gosh, what's going to happen when we do this? And like this, because like you could feel the darkness. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen. Is this going to be safe or whatever? But my spirit knew, and there was just a grace that the Lord uh, gave to us that there really was no fear. Like we just felt this grace. We felt completely safe. So we asked uh, the, the person in charge and overseeing and ministering and stuff. We're like, hey, is it okay if we do an altar call? They're like, yes, go for it. So we do an altar call for people who are demonically oppressed. And we're just like, if you have uh, nightmares and dreams and stuff like that, or if you just know that you're tormented or you feel like you're cursed or whatever it is, um, then we want you um, to, to come for prayer. Like everybody stands up and comes to the front and we start getting thronged and we're laying hands on people. People start manifesting demons and falling to the ground, getting set free. And then people are coming up and getting healed. And then families are coming up with these fathers that have these 
these alcohol problems because there's just such hopelessness and no hope for getting better out of your caste uh, that you've been born into. And they're coming up as families saying, what can we do to be saved? And we hadn't even done an uh, altar call for salvation. And like, this is what happens when we engage in the spirit and we follow his leading. And it's not, it, it wasn't difficult. It wasn't anything where it's, oh, we're just so skilled at this. All we did was play follow the leader. Amen. Your spirit knows stuff. The rest of you does it. Amen. Amen. Someone say, I can do that. <laughs> Someone say it louder. I could do that. That's easy. <laughs> All right. My spirit had more information than my brain did. In fact, my spirit had superior information than what my brain supplied me. Many people got radically delivered that day, healed, and whole families got saved. You learn to recognize the anointing, his supernatural grace, and when, you, when he's leading, he always shows up. Okay? This is a powerful belief. God always shows up when I follow his leading. Let's just confess that together. God always shows up when I follow his leading. Okay, so when we go to pray for people, like let's say we're praying for people down at the altar, okay? I am not trying to pray for them from my brain, from my knowledge of scripture, and like let me think of just the perfect scripture that goes with their situation, or let me give some advice based on like, I've walked through something kind of like that, let me give you some advice or whatever. No, what I'm gonna do is that the first thing I'm gonna do is engage my spirit and get my spirit into the driver's seat. And then I'm gonna position myself to listen. And I'm in listening position because Jesus is our endless source. He has endless prophetic words for people. He has endless healing and miracles that he wants to pour out. And so all I need to do is hear, Jesus, what are you doing? What are you saying? And it could be simple as one word, or it could be something that overtakes. And as I speak, it's this whole long prophetic word. But it's actually really easy. Somebody say, it's easy. Turn to your neighbor, say, it's easier than you think. <laughs> Turn to your other neighbor and say, you're already qualified. Mm-hmm. You pray what he's praying. You do what he's doing. When he moves, you move, just like that. <laughs> Follow the leader. Now, what engaging in the spirit is not. Engaging in the spirit is not a coping mechanism that causes me to bypass the healthy process of emotions. Okay? A coping mechanism to shut off my brain or any questions or doubts that I may have. That is not what it means to be engaged in the spirit. Okay? Engaging in the spirit gets us situated with God as our source and us in a listening position by which we can process our emotions with Jesus and ask him questions about our thoughts or questions. Amen? Okay, so when our spirit is in the driver's seat, we should expect to receive as much or more information, downloads, and substance from heaven than we get from our mind, will, and emotions or our five senses, okay? So we are not trying to shut off our brain. 
Like I've, I've chatted with people and they're like, okay, so what does it mean to engage in your spirit? Because I can't turn my mind off. I'm like, you know, try to make my mind go blank. Try to make my mind go blank. And it's like, it's absolutely impossible to make your mind go blank. That's not the goal. Same thing. You're not trying to turn off your emotions. Just like, oh, emotions, just be quiet, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. Because you're still kind of focusing there. Does that make sense? What you're going to do is you're going to engage in the spirit. And we're going to talk practically how to do that in a moment. And you're going to engage in the spirit. And as you engage with the spirit, your mind will slow down. Your emotions will slow down as you're engaged in the spirit. Does this make sense? Okay. And now what happens is when I'm engaged in the spirit and that funnel is happening, now Holy Spirit has access to my brain to put a word there or a picture there. And then I respond and I speak it out. Does that make sense? Or he's has a funnel and he gives me an emotion that I know is not my emotion. He'll allow me to feel his love for somebody or his compassion for someone, but it's flowing from heaven to earth. Does that make sense? Okay. He can access all five of our senses when we're aligned spiritually. Does that make sense? Does it sound hooky spooky? It's easy. It's really easy. Okay. So um, I'll give an example. Um, we were doing a, a fire tunnel, okay? And the fire tunnel was going on and just like the Lord's just giving different words. And sometimes I get nothing. When I get nothing, zip. Bless him, Jesus. <laughs> okay, so I'm just saying what he's saying. I'm doing what he's doing or whatever. And then time goes on and I start feeling this pain in my, in my right shoulder. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I've been standing a long time. And my brain starts thinking in the natural, oh no, maybe I'm getting an ache, you know, in, in my shoulder. You know, oh, how long has this been going? How much longer is it going to take? And then suddenly it hit me. I'm like, I think that's a word of knowledge. And so I looked at the person that was directly in front of me at that moment, and I was like, hey, do you have a pain in your right shoulder? Yep, I absolutely do. I'm like, great, the Lord showed that. So I pray for the shoulder, they move on, and guess what? The pain in my shoulder is completely gone, okay? Words of knowledge come that way. It comes through your body, it comes through your mind, it comes through your emotions, but it's from heaven down. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Um, he puts thoughts or pictures in our brain. So does that make sense? It's using the same mechanism that your thoughts would be in. So have you ever had that, that thought of like, is this my thought or is this God's thought? Is it me? Is it him? Anyone ever experienced that? Okay. It's because it happens in the same thing. It's both use your brain. Does that make sense? That's why we're not trying to make your mind go blank. You're just like, okay, Lord, right on the canvas of my mind. What are you saying right now? And then you just listen and you wait. Okay. And now, how can you tell if it's him or if it's you? The only way you can tell is to step out and try it and see what happens. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> fun, fun, fun. I can tell you that this place is a safe place to step out and take a risk, okay? And if you miss it, it's okay. You're trying, okay? Same thing with evangelism. Same thing in the revival groups. We practice this stuff because we want to learn how to engage our spirit. It's like learning how to drive. I'm, I'm teaching my daughter how to drive right now, and there's so much that my body just knows and I'm just used to doing that I don't realize that I have to explain to her what it is that I'm doing, but it's like that. You start learning how to get in the driver's seat and operate the vehicle. Does that make sense? Okay, so um, using that same mechanism, sometimes the Lord will drop something there, but it feels like my thought. Does this make sense? 
okay? So um, we were at a Bible study uh, once, and it was someone else's Bible study, and we just happened upon it, and they invited us to stay. And uh, it, someone else was leading it, and then as we're sitting there, I'm not really even trying to do anything, um, but suddenly this, this thought comes, and I hear spirit of suicide, generational curse on the Father's side. And I'm sitting there going, what do I do with that? Like, I'm not running this meeting. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't even know how these people believe or what. I don't even know how I feel about talking about a generational curse. I know stuff's broken at the cross or whatever, but that's what I heard. And so um, I'm sitting there going like, okay, I don't know what to do with that. I'm like, Lord, you know, if that's something that you want me to speak out, then show me the opportunity or whatever. So then time goes on. And then we go into a time of prayer, and there was actually an opportunity um, for me to call it out, and the Lord showed me and highlighted who it was, okay? And so we were all invited to go and pray, and so I walked up to this young man, and I said, this is, this is what I heard. I heard spirit of suicide. I feel like, like maybe you're feeling like you're going to try to give up or whatever, and I'm hearing generational curse on your father's side, and he starts going, yes. So I start to pray for him. We cast out the spirit of suicide. We're just blessing and prophesying over him or whatever. That's all I knew, and we let it go. And then later on that day, um, he had talked to his mother at that, that place. His mother walks up to us and says, um, oh my gosh, you have to hear like what the background story is. She's like, um, his, his uh, grandfather on his father's side um, did this bad deal with one of the other family members, and so that family member cursed all the males on that side of the family to have no hope, to never prosper, to never be able to keep a job, to have no finances, and that was broken today, and he's been living in accordance with that curse, and now it's broken and he's set free. Amen? Stuff that I could never know, right? But our spirit has more information than we do. Amen? Somebody give glory to God. <laughs> God's good. He can, he can use your emotions. He's so many times, I'm not a huge compassion and mercy person. I love people. I'm a nice person, but compassion and mercy is not my forefront gift. More like administration and stuff is my forefront gift. But there's times that I go to pray for people and I start to weep and I know that it's not me. I know that the Lord is giving me a glance into how he feels about them or what he's been feeling over them, that he has been in this situation and I get to minister out of his emotion that he's allowing me to feel. Amen? All right. Uh, he also uses my will. Um, here's, here's a fun one. I was praying for a friend of mine and using my, my will, um, it just, I was just like, I don't know why I want to put my hands in your armpits. No, it's like, is that me or is that God? I know that is not me. <laughs> like, why would I want to put my hands in your armpits? Like, no, thank you. But I kept seeing myself do this, and I'm like, I don't know why. I feel like I want to put my hands in your armpits. And it turns out that that, that person, I believe it was like either lymph nodes or adrenals. I don't even remember. I don't, I don't know where that stuff is. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I need prayer. I believe it was lymph nodes. I need prayer over my lymph nodes or whatever, and that's exactly what I need and stuff and we were just praying for that stuff. So all that to say, the Lord can use all of those things when you are in proper alignment. Does this make sense? Amen. Right. <laughs> I often see myself doing something, and then I do it. All right. So get your mind, will, and emotions used to using your spirit as the main source of information in your everyday life. 
Someone say in your everyday life. Everyday life. So how do we engage our spirit practically? Because I know there's times, and um, that's something that happened to me recently, where it's just like, oh, you know, my mind is just running so much, and there's so much on my plate that I'm concerned about or whatever. So it's like, what do we do? It's like we go to pray, and then the thoughts come. And then we try to pray again, and then the thoughts come. We're like, oh, I've been, you know, worrying for the last half an hour instead of praying. Does that happen to anyone else? Am I in the right room? Okay. Or your emotions. You're just like, okay, I so am trying to connect to God right now, but my emotions just aren't there. I'm really upset or I'm like really fearful or whatever it is. And I'm just having a hard time connecting to God. We already talked about worship. Worship is so powerful. Enter into worship, turn on worship music, but you want to engage with that worship in spirit and in truth. You want to be like worshiping Jesus and you watch how quickly your spirit will jump into the driver's seat. Amen. So worship. Um, Next thing, pray in tongues. I think we talked about this last time, so I'm going to go quickly through this. Praying in tongues engages your spirit. It's a really great way to bypass your brain when your brain is having a hard time, okay? Um, Instrumental soaking music while you pray is very helpful. It's not a necessity, but it's really helpful if you're having a difficult time, okay? Um, Blessing your spirit, and that's something we talked about last time. I bless my spirit all the time. Like, I just bless my spirit to rise up and to be led by Holy Spirit. I bless my spirit to rise up and to be in charge over my mind, over my will, over my emotions. And I just bless my spirit. Do you guys know how powerful blessings are? Do you know how powerful a blessing is? I think, I think the blessing has become this, like, Christian, like, I just, which is like, thing we say. Oh, bless you. You know, oh, bless them. It's just like, oh, it's just like this empty thing, okay? Now, if a witch came in here and painted a pentagram on that back wall and cursed this place, do you think that the intercessors of this house would do some warfare and break those curses? Amen. Do you believe that uh, a person empowered by a demonic spirit can, can bring some influence in the spirit? Sure. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that a saint's blessing empowered by Holy Spirit has an influence in the spiritual realm. You can bless very specifically. Look look up Old Testament blessings. When they released a blessing over their children, they couldn't undo it. It could not be undone. That is how powerful a blessing is. And yet we have more faith for a witch's curse than a pastor's blessing let alone our own blessing. Amen? Why is that? We need to just shift our belief about how powerful it is. Shift your belief and you shift your life. Amen? You are one belief away from being unstoppable. Bless your life. Speak blessings over your life. Speak blessings over the people around you. The the Bible even says, bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. Why? We think like, oh, I don't want them to be blessed. You can bless them specifically. You can bless them to encounter the Lord. You can bless them with relationship with Jesus for transformation and all all the different things. You can bless people very specifically and believe that what you are doing can't be undone in the spirit and that it is bringing an influence and bringing change. Amen? Do you believe it? Turn to your neighbor and say, my blessing is powerful. My blessing is powerful. (laughs) 
Lord, what are you doing right now? Mm. All right. Okay, so a practical way to engage in your spirit. Change your beliefs. Repentance. Who knows what repentance means? Shout it out if you know. Say that again. Change your mind, okay? Repentance means think differently. Change your mind, okay? Repentance does not mean sorry. I'm not saying that we shouldn't feel sorry at times, but that is not repentance, okay? Repentance means to change your mind. Um, They were not saying in the Bible, be sorry for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Be really sorry, you guys. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's really near. So get really sorry. Get really sorry about who you are. Get really sorry about what you've been doing because, man, the kingdom is at hand. It's like, dun, dun, dun. Like, I don't know if I want the kingdom to be at hand if we're going to be so sorry, right? No, it's like change the way you're thinking. Change the way you're processing. Change how you see yourself. Change how you're trying to relate to God right now because the kingdom of heaven is actually at hand. So change your mind. Change your belief system. Amen? Change your beliefs, okay? If you have something that you are trying to repent from and you are so sorry about it, you can repent yourself and you can be sorry enough that you feel forgiven, but you will actually not repent towards transformation if you're stopping at sorry. Does this make sense? Okay, so for example, um, years and years ago when I was a worship leader, I had such a hard time because I had like no prayer life and I would feel so guilty come Saturday night because I'm like, I've not had enough prayer and Jesus, I'm so sorry I haven't prayed enough this week and I haven't prayed enough and somehow I got to get up and lead worship and I don't even feel close to you and there's like 80 people that are more qualified than me in this church and I can't believe like I did it again. I didn't pray enough and I didn't pray enough and I didn't pray enough and I am so sorry and I was sorry week after week and I was sorry like year after year Okay, I was so sorry. Okay, but what I needed was repentance. What was the repentance? I didn't know how much God loved me. I didn't know how good he was. I didn't know that he wasn't angry with me. I didn't know that he he didn't want to punish me and beat me over the head. That was the repentance that I needed. When I had the mind change of his goodness and how much he loves me, you can't keep me from his presence. I can't help. I'm like, I don't feel right unless I pray because he's so good to me and he speaks loving, kind words over me. I'm, st- I'm not trying to perform for him anymore. I'm trying to relate to him. And that's the repentance that I needed. Something was not missing from my performance. Something was missing from my experience of who he really is. Amen. It is not about our performance. It's not about our performance. It's always been about our relationship with him. It's not about performance. It's not about performance. Someone say, it's not about performance. (laughs) All right. 
Romans 5, 18 to 21 says, So then, as through one offense, the result was condemnation to all mankind. So also through one act of righteousness, the result was justification of life to all mankind. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So also through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. Okay? So when it says the disobedience of the one, who is it talking about? Adam. It says, through the disobedience of the one, meaning Adam, when he disobeyed, many became sinners. And through the, the righteous act of the one, meaning Christ, many become righteous. Does this make sense? So did you know that you didn't become a sinner the first time you sinned? It wasn't your action that made you a sinner. It was Adam's. You didn't even get yourself there. So how could you get yourself out of it? Amen? So like if an unsaved person performs a righteous act, do they become saved? No, because their DNA is unsaved, okay? So if a righteous person who has been made righteous through the blood of Jesus, through his righteous act, does an unrighteous act, does that make them a sinner? No, because their DNA is righteous person. Not because of what they did, but because of what he did. It is so not about our performance. It's about our relationship to him. Does that make sense? You are already qualified to walk in the spirit with him and to walk in power. And when you engage your spirit, he brings all the transformation to the stuff that you need. And he does it. Amen. He's faithful. He's faithful. So it says, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.16. All right. When I'm in performance mindset as a mom and I'm evaluating my performance, I tend to miss it relationally with my kids. I'm cooking for you guys. I'm buying you guys all the stuff that you need. I'm preparing this thing for you, and I'm planning that thing for you. Da, 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 da. I'm a good mom, you guys. You better treat me right. right? And they're like, we want to be with you. We want your time. We want to connect to your heart, right? That's how our kids feel. Same thing, when I am trying to perform being a good wife for my husband, like, I am cooking for you. It always involves cooking, right? I am cooking for you. I'm doing this. I cleaned that. I bought you this present, da-da-da-da-da. But that does not equal connection. That does not equal a good marriage, right? In fact, that puts pressure on him because I'm looking to him, evaluate me. <laughs> Tell me I'm a good girl, Right? When I do that, I actually, I'm actually not loving. It's actually self-serving. Does that make sense? And then I miss it connection-wise. Same thing. When I try to perform being a good Christian, I tend to be performing for my own checklist of what I think being a good Christian means. And I leave Jesus out of it and him as a person. And I'm not relating with him. And he, like, I don't even know what I need transformation in. But he does. Right? And I'm trying to like fix myself and be a good Christian, earn stuff or whatever. It is so not about that. Does that make sense? 
It is so not about our performance. That is one of the biggest things when it comes to engaging in the spirit. Like, let's say um, we're going to uh, sit down and, and give prophetic words in revival group or whatever, okay? Now, what, what happens sometimes inside of us, we're like, oh, pressure's on. Oh my gosh, I want to have a good word. And like, oh, that person just gave a great, oh, I don't want to follow them. You know, we start performing, right? But it's so much easier than that. The first thing that I try and do is just like, God, I just surrender to you. I'm just connecting to you. I'm like, Jesus, I just love you. I just start to worship. I'm just like, Jesus, I just love you. God, I thank you that you have a bajillion words for this person, but I just surrender to you. I don't care if you give a word through me or through somebody else. I just want to hear what you're hearing. So if, if you want me to say something, paint something on, on my mind or, you know, give me a word of knowledge or an emotion or whatever it is. And when you walk from that place of surrender, where I'm just like, I don't care about performing. I don't care about looking like this or like that. That's when it becomes really easy. And it, the truth is, is that it's easier than you think. Amen. Someone say again, it's easier than I think. Amen. Trying to live the born-again life in the natural is powerless, it's hard, it's boring, and it's unbiblical. I'm going to say it again. Trying to live the born-again life in the natural is powerless, hard, boring, and unbiblical. Holy Spirit is our power. Jesus told the disciples to wait on the Great Commission. Don't even go yet. Don't go and preach to people yet. You need Holy Spirit is what he said. Wait on Holy Spirit. You need him. He's your power. He's your teacher. He's your counselor. He is everything. Okay? The, the kingdom of heaven is not in word but in power. My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. Amen. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We need Holy Spirit. We need Holy Spirit. Trying to live the born again life in the natural is powerless, hard, boring, and unbiblical. It's living below who we are. The glorious church has been hoodwinked by religious spirits for too long. The grace of God through faith in the finished work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit is Christianity 101. It's Christianity 101. This is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. We don't need to apologize for Holy Spirit or make one-third of the Trinity an optional add-on. You cannot live a victorious, born-again Christian life without him. Amen? So we need to get our spirits engaged in that driver's seat. So that's the life that we're meant to live. Holy Spirit is not living in you because he needs a place to live. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> He's living inside of you because you can change the world. You can change the world. I bless your spirit to rise up right now. I bless your spirit to rise up and to receive the truth that you can change the world. You can change the world. We have authority. We're seated in heavenly places. We're loved. We're chosen. We're filled with Holy Spirit power. And he's with us. I declare that life in the spirit is easy. There's no striving when you're in the spirit. And I break the lie that walking by the spirit is hard to do. I break that lie in you right now in the name of Jesus. It is so easy. It's fulfillment. It's fullness of joy. It's life. It's not the boring halo guy playing a harp on a little cloud. 
That's not our Christian life. It is an adventure. It's wild. It's fun. It's messy. It's beautiful. It's full of love. It's full of connection. It's full of his grace. And we just get to play follow the leader. And it's so good. Amen. So, Father God, I just thank you so much for who you are, Lord. I thank you for what you're doing in all of our lives, God. And I just pray, Father, that you would remind us every day to get our spirit in that driver's seat, Lord Jesus, that you would be driving our lives, not because we're trying so hard to please you and not to mess up, but because when you're driving our lives, then we become so fulfilled in everything that you've placed in us because we encounter fullness of joy, because we walk in the fruit of the spirit and we get to see radical miracles and we get to see you come in and transform our families and our kids and our finances, our relationships. You transform our health because you are so good. So I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bring your kingdom of heaven to earth, Lord. Your will be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven, in our lives as it is in heaven, Lord. And I just thank you so much for it, Jesus. And we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name and everybody said. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.